strong. Looking, holding, throws out a flat pass caught by Amir. Trying to avoid the rush. He does. He has a first down. Bouncing off tacklers to the 45. Amir to the 40. Amir to the 35. 30, 20, 15, 10, 5. Oh, touchdown, Amir. Quarterback drop. Armstrong into the secondary. Armstrong's got a step. Touchdown. You are listening to The Last Take. The premier sports show for college students by college students. With hosts Dylan Jurgens and Blake Mace. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Last Take. I'm Dylan Jurgens, and I'm joined by my co-host, Blake Mace. We have a very, very special guest today, Nick Sainert <laughs> from 93.7 The Ticket, uh, former uh, UNL, or UNL co-JMC. Mm-hmm. How's it going? Good, guys. Uh, appreciate you having me on. I, I don't know if I would say special, special guest. Uh, I would just say guest. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, former, former co-JMC, graduated in May, and uh, here we go, just trying to figure out the way in the real world, I guess, as they say. That's awesome. Uh, so I guess we just start off with a quick interview segment type of thing. Yeah, of course. Um, so um, I'd say my first question would be like, wh- what was your highlight being at the Code JMC? Mm-hmm. Like anything? I know you were here during COVID too. Yeah. So I mean, what was your like? Ma- like what are your main highlights? Yeah. So it's 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 interesting because I was just telling somebody actually today um, that. When I got here in 2020, uh, or I guess it would have been the fall of 2019, uh, that's that's the, the year that the following spring was when COVID happened. The pandemic happened. We got shut down. Uh, we ended up having to obviously pack up and, and move out of the dorms and stuff in 2020. But in the fall, it was, it was interesting because... I remember not necessarily wanting to be here, right? And, and it's interesting because I don't know if I don't know if I've told you guys this story. Um, I didn't want to stay. I'm from Lincoln. I didn't want to stay in, in in town for school. I wanted to go somewhere out of state. I wanted to kind of do my own thing, and, and but I knew I wanted to do sports broadcasting. I knew that the Nebraska had a pretty good one, uh, pretty good, and it was nothing against like Nebraska. I frankly didn't take a lot of college visits, and that's on my fault. That's my fault. Uh, but I was like, you know what? I want to. I want to go out of state. Well, I had planned to eventually go to Iowa Western, out in Council Bluffs, um, and because of some last minute things about two weeks before the school year started, I realized that credits for the sports broadcasting department, at least at that time time wouldn't transfer over to a four-year institution at some point. So if I ever wanted to go to a bachelor's degree, it was not going to transfer over. Well, long story short, I, it was two weeks before the school year started and I uh, visited Nebraska and I was like, well, this is kind of my only choice with the thought of, okay, I'm going to transfer at, at the end of the semester. At the end of the first semester, I'm going to take that fall semester here, get the credits done. That way I don't start late and I'm going to go take visits elsewhere. Well, then uh, my first semester on campus, and this is going back to your question of the highlight, was working for Fox Sports for Nebraska, Wisconsin. And I remember sitting down with Bart Fox, who was a member of Fox uh, prior to the Nebraska-Wisconsin game. And we just had a, 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 a like a true conversation of like from professional to then at that time a freshman in college. And I remember walking away from the Nebraska game doing whatever I did. I was up in the press box with uh, Kevin Kugler and Matt Millen. And I was like, I remember walking away from that going, okay, maybe this is where I need to be. And so that is when I look back now, and I've done it quite a few times over the last couple of months since I graduated, 
as I've looked back, I'm sitting here going, okay, if it wasn't for, and the way I, I was able to work for Fox sports was I was the first one to respond to an email. And I got super lucky that I didn't have class at that time, that I didn't have uh, a meeting or a, I was working on homework. I was lucky and fortunate. And I still like understand this, that I was lucky enough to be in my email at that moment when the email came across that I was then able to respond to and be like, absolutely, without thinking twice. Because if I wouldn't have, and some, for whatever reason, the universe would have been different, then I don't, I don't know what my situation would be. And so, um, that when I look back, like there's, there's a lot of other cool stuff that, that I was fortunate to, to do. Um, and whether that's podcast podcasts like this is in this very same room or, uh, whether it's like the sports data analytics class with, with Matt Waite, that's the one that I think trumps them all. Because I remember walking away going, I'm not going to transfer despite, right. Despite me initially thinking that I don't want to come here. I was like, I walked away going, maybe this is where I need to be despite me not wanting to stay in state. So I think walking away from that one, that, that has to be the biggest highlight. Yeah. And then during COVID, I mean, how did that affect you? Cause high school was a yeah. little different. I mean, I would, we were able in a council, we were able to go back uh, yeah. at Lewis Central, we were able to go back and just do our normal things. But I mean, in college, I mean, I remember coming up one time during, even when COVID was ending uh, in 2022 and they still had like different restrictions among campus and stuff like that. So, <clears throat> well, I think it honestly separated a lot of the the ones that were there to have, you know, and, and this is not a, a disrespect to anybody else. Like I made it very clear to myself that like, yeah, I'm going to enjoy college, but I'm going to enjoy college with the idea of I need to find my career coming out of this. And so I think one thing that co- the, the COVID pandemic and that whole entire situation when we moved on Zoom and everything, I think what it did or what it allowed was it separated the ones who were here for certain reasons and ones who were more casual about it. And, you know, people always tell you, and I'm sure you guys have heard it as well, um, like no, don't allow anybody else to work harder than you and don't allow anybody else to kind of, uh, what do I want to say? Um, be the reason that you're not doing something, I guess, if that makes sense. And so I always took that to heart for like my first, my first semester on campus. And so in the second and third semester, when we were pretty much remote and then ultimately for me remote, the rest of my career, after I got the job at the ticket as an intern, I was like, okay, just because, I'm on remote or I'm taking classes through Zoom doesn't mean I can't be engaged. And so um, there was a lot. And were there were there days that were like boring because you're not having that face to face? I mean, here's the thing, guys, as much as we can have broadcasts and podcasts and other stuff, radio shows for that matter, through Zoom, like this is much better. Like we're sitting here 100%. feet away from each other. Like this is much better. The conversation's better. The content's better. Just the overall like morale is better. And so there was, there was certainly a grind um, navigating like your first year through college remote and it was not fun. But then I would say like, if it wasn't for the remote, I wouldn't have been able to get uh, a job working for Channel 8 here in Lincoln as their play-by-play during the COVID pandemic because without the pandemic, and this goes back to like the whole thing, like of everything happens for a reason. 
because if it wasn't for the pandemic, which was so horrible and and whatever, um, then Channel 8 wouldn't have needed somebody to broadcast the games when nobody can make it to the stadium. And that means then I wouldn't have that job, which means then I wouldn't make the contact with the with the folks over at 93.7 The Ticket who are broadcasting the same game. That eventually got me the internship. And so when you look at just the, the cause and the effect and just the string of events um, you you learn to step back and kind of be like, okay, everything happens for a reason, which then in turn in the future and everything I, I encounter on a daily basis, like, okay, there's a reason this is happening and we might not even realize why it's happening or what's going to be the effect because of this cause. So, Yeah, uh, going back to when you worked for Channel 8, what yeah. was that like? Because I remember, I mean, we were in high school and yeah. I, I use the LPS uh, media stream on uh, KOKN. So, yeah. like, what was that like? Um, it was it was weird because I mean I'll be honest. Like, I'll quickly tell the story of how it happened, um, and this goes back to the whole like you don't know where you're going to make a connection. You don't know how people are going to find you in this day and age of social media. Like, I still at this point forget at times that people actually listen to the radio station. And so when they will DM me on Twitter or they'll text me or whatever, you get kind of thrown off. So anyway, back, I was, I remember exactly where I was. I was a, I was first semester of sophomore year living in the view apartments over by Oak Lake over here. And I remember sitting in my room and it was like 10 30, 11 o'clock at night on a Wednesday. And I remember saying, man, who's this unknown caller calling my phone right now? And so I, for, I mean, we, I do everything. I do the exact same thing everybody else does where they silence it. And if they leave a voicemail, then we'll call back. For some reason, I chose to answer that phone at like 10, 15, 10, 30 at night. And it was a guy by the name of Brett Bonfleur from channel eight. And he's like, Hey Nick, we need a play by play broadcaster first games tomorrow. He's like, he's like, are you interested? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. And so he's like, okay, cool. I'll call you back with the details, let you know. And I'm freaking out. Like, I'm like, what is this? Is this on TV? Is this on the website? Is this, what is the situation? Right. And then overall the get first games tomorrow. What, what about prep? What are the teams? Like, what's the city? Like, where do I need to go? Like all those little details start running through your head. And at 10, 15 at night, when you have school and class the next day, you're like, okay, how am I going to manage my time like this? So then he calls me back about 30 minutes later. And he's like, okay, it's Lincoln Northeast, Lincoln Southwest. Game time's at 7 p.m. Uh, Seacrest Field. You'll need to stop by the station tomorrow afternoon. And he's like, when can you? Long story short, guys, to this day, I have no idea how he got my contact. I have no idea. Don't know how he got my phone number. I don't know if it was, I'm guessing that it was somebody from College of Journalism. I, I don't know. I don't know if it was somebody from, I have no idea. I don't know if it's a family friend, no clue. But, and I, looking back, I, like, I wish, I wish, I wish I would have asked, but I have no clue. And so working for Channel 8 was real interesting because it turned, it started with me being on a mic and somebody running the camera for the live stream. But then after about three weeks, after they kind of th- realized that, okay, this guy can actually do some stuff like on his, on by himself. And, and I don't mean to sound like cocky that way by saying that. Um, but so they were like, all right, Nick, you're going to start to run your own camera. 
Like you're going to start to run the camera and broadcast at the time. And I was like, well, it wasn't a headset. It was a standalone mic that just sat on the table. And I was like, well, I need to get a, I need a new microphone. So they gave me like a lapel mic that just hooks on your collar. Mm-hmm. And in the most unconventional way, I can't hear myself. I can't hear my audio volumes. I can't hear anything. And I'm walking up to each stadium or the stadium every Thursday and Friday. And then I'm also, um, it continued through basketball season as well that year where I'm, I'm dragging all these, these TV cameras. And I was at the time, like an independent employee or whatever they call it, where it's like, I wasn't officially working for channel eight, but I was getting paid by them obviously. And so I was like, okay, this is, and I, I got paid next to nothing, but like, that's how you have to start. Right. And so I'm, I'm like lugging these giant TV bags that have like the internet box with it and the giant TV camera and the tripod and all my audio equipment plus my backpack. And like, I'm just like a one man crew. And so I'm lugging all this up there, setting it up an hour and a half before the game. I'm calling the people back in the studio, like testing all the equipment and they're like, all right, yeah, we're good to go. And I, I, st- I, I don't know how I somehow like taught myself everything, but it just kind of happens. And like when I used to be an ambassador for, for the journalism college and I would tell like high school students, like at some point you're going to have to start believing in yourself to do it. And like at some point you're going to, there's a switch that's going to flip to where, okay, like I can do this. And so I think through that experience, it was like, okay, I'm supposed to be here. Once again, it's like that reassurance because throughout college and especially this market and this degree and this like journalism course, broadcasting course, I should say, like reassurances are a big deal that like you belong in that space Mm -hmm. and stuff. And so that was like kind of just a real unconventional type of, because nobody also is like in the place, nobody's in the stands except parents. Um, Nobody's in the, the basketball arenas. So there's just a lot of natural sound and you're just kind of up in the corner talking and moving the camera side to side with following the action. And so it's a real, real unconventional and unique situation, but I'm, I'm super thankful for it. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to mention is building that confidence is something mm-hmm. that, you know, a lot of, uh, college students who have not done any of that broadcasting stuff before is like yeah. a, a big task. And, uh, before I called my first two softball games here, I was, I was nervous cause like I wanted to do it. Like I w- that was yeah. something I really wanted to do, but it was until I did it. And after yeah. I did it, I got that confidence, and that's something that. Well, and I, I think I also I also told everybody or told people like when I would give tours and stuff of the J school, like, all right, this is the place, and this is just life in general, not even just at, at the journalism college, like this is the like college is the time now to where you either figure out what you like and what you love, and those can be kind of bundled in a single category, but then also more importantly, what you don't like Mm -hmm. and what you're not very good at. Like everybody, and I've realized this through the radio station, I'm thankful for for my bosses and and stuff that are are patient uh, throughout the whole thing, but like there are things that I am well aware of and now they are well aware of, of like, I'm not good at. And I, I am not good at, at certain things, um, but then I'm better at some other things. And huge thanks to them for, number one, figuring out and carving out a role for me. Uh, but then also, number two, like figuring, letting me learn that on my own. And so like colleges and your starter job, like that's what you need to do because that confidence is such a big thing. 
And now, like, you slowly, it's a slow process, but once you kind of gain momentum, it can be like a snowball effect to where it's like, okay, one good thing happens, then another good thing happens. And by the fifth good thing that happens in a short amount of time, you're sitting here going, okay, I feel pretty good. Like, I'm I'm growing as, as an individual in not only the professional sense, but also in the broadcast sense. And so, like, there is room for me in this party. And so I think that's a big part of it. Um, and, and I mean, I'll, I'll say this right now, like you guys are doing the first step, like go do something on your own. Like in this, in this day and age of social media and all these avenues that people can connect with, like, this is now, this is the place where you need to like this, you have the ability to do this. And so once again, it's like, goes back to the, this separates the people that are here for all these reasons. And then to another category of, of people that are not here for the same reasons as you guys. And here you are in the better category, taking that leap on your guys' own. Yeah. Um, something I've done too, since I'm more interested in the writing path. Yeah. So over the summer, randomly, I was just scrolling through LinkedIn. I Mm -hmm. was just looking at internships or whatever. And there was this pop up it's it's not paid very well i get so it was like a writing like freelance writer yeah I'm like okay i'll try that because it's sports i'm interested in that and uh so far uh so i started with this one i don't know i was writing for like nebraska just on my own yeah. using my own research and then now i've been that didn't like i didn't like that website but my boss whatever uh he decided to say well i'll take you here and then now I'm been averaging the most views out of most articles and so yeah I mean like you said you just said take leaps and stuff and like also you know you mentioned the the payment factor like this there there are certainly careers that you get into for the money there are certainly careers that you get into not for the money but because you enjoy it and I think this is one of those that you get into it to enjoy it. And then understanding that if you work hard enough at it, all those other benefits are to come. Like all those other benefits are to come. Um, I mean, you might not get paid, you might get paid next to nothing at the start, but quickly three years or a year into it, you're going to find ways to generate more revenue and you're going to find, you just make it work like that. There's just sacrifices there. And I, I can, I can attest to it. I mean, first to end. Um, and, and thankfully, like once again, like the ticket allows me to find other areas and spaces and avenues to generate more revenue and generate more money for myself, whether that's through, um, like sponsorships and re ads or commercial, you know, like whatever the case may be. Um, it's, you figure out ways to get it done because in this, in this industry, if you want to make it successfully, you're going to have to have to have to work hard. And if you work hard, then that payment and the monetary stuff all comes down the road. So you just have to be patient. Yeah, as I say, uh, we, you're talking about sponsorships. Every time I listen to 93.7, or the ticket, I was yeah. like, whenever commercials come out, I was like, San Jose Global. I'm like, exactly. Hey, that's Nick. Every Yeah, and, and, and that's what's weird is like, I will say it took a while, <clears throat> excuse me, it took a while for me to like get used to hearing my own voice. But once again, that's just like the reassurance. Mm-hmm. Like, am I supposed to be on this many commercials? And once you realize that not every, not other, other people aren't asking that. Like Dylan's not out here being like, oh, is Nick supposed to be on this many commercials? <laughs> it's, it's it's Nick going, all right, is Nick supposed to be on this many commercials? So once you get over that mental leap of yourself, 
excuse me, of yourself, then that's when the real progress can be made. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one more quick question. Um, so in being at the ticket, what was, yeah. what, what has been the most like rewarding experience? Yeah. Because you started as an intern and now yeah. you're hopping in like early break or the yeah. block and you have your own show. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't know what's going on. Um, okay. So story time real quick as I have to cough again. <clears throat> but so here's what I would say. Uh, the travel is great. Um, there's been two instances and, and the first one, uh, would be Scott Frost getting fired last year. Um, that was the first time that number one, I have gotten closer to assistant coaches. And I think when I grew up being a fan of Nebraska and just a college football fan in general, I'm out here saying like, Oh, this guy needs to be fired. We need to move on from him, all this stuff. Uh, but then once you start to realize like, this is going to sound so like generic, but they're people. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also once you develop a relationship, like even if it is from like a strictly interview standpoint, like, okay, they're like you get a little closer, you develop a relationship and a friendly relationship or whatever, but then you see them fired and you're like, well, crap, they're, they don't have a job anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and, and 98% of them are fine. And then 98% of them are able to find another job and they'll be good and, and whatnot. But then you realize like, okay, I'm not going to talk to them for a while. And if ever again. And even if it was just uh, in passing, hey, coach, how's it going? Hey, how, how's life? You know, or asking him a question at the press conference. So when you looked at, I guess, like last year, um, I remember where I was. I was doing a postgame show after the Georgia Southern game. And I was sitting there at 1130 at night. And we got a phone call because like on that postgame show, was, we invited callers and texts and stuff onto the show to bring in their input. After that, obviously, Scott Frost has just lost to Georgia Southern. We got done hearing about him. We were five minutes from closing out the show. And we got a phone call. And I was like, all right, this is our last phone call. Put him on the air. And they were like, all right, when does this need to be done? Like, when is when do we have to decide that? Because um, he had, like, the, the buyout stuff and all that. And I remember sitting there, and I, I, I said it out loud. I was like, it needs to be tomorrow. Like, I was like, it, it has to be tomorrow. Like, mm -hmm. this season is still salvageable at that point with 2020 and 2022. Looking back, they still finished three and nine. But I was like, the season is still, for the most part, salvageable. There's really good, and I stand by this, there were really good assistants on that staff. Mm -hmm. I still believe that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so... I'm sitting there going, there's really good assistance on the staff. There's plenty of interim head coaching possibilities and potentials that you can move on to. Like this, you, you have to do it tomorrow. You also send a message right to your guys that, Hey, we're not going to put anything above winning and what's best for you guys. And at that point it was kind of understandable universally or understood universally that a new coach was was probably what's best for Nebraska. So then that following day, Scott Frost gets fired. We get the email around, I don't know, it was like 9.30 or whatever. Announcement comes out at 11, and they're like, all right, press conference at 3. So like that two days or those two days of – or a day and a half, I guess, of like, all right, post game – or watching the train wreck of Georgia Southern, then 
having to dissect it and talk about it on the post game show for two hours. Then the next morning, waking up and being like, "Is this going to happen?" And I remember I was sitting in my on the on my couch in my pajamas, and I was like, "I really don't want to go to Memorial Stadium for a, a presser." And then we got the email, and I was like, "All right, looks like we're going to Memorial Stadium for a presser." And um, I didn't have my car at that time, and so my my buddies had to drive me down to Memorial Stadium <laughs> for the presser from our house. But it was like just at my parents. But anyway, um, so yeah, so I was like, "Okay, well, this is I guess what we're doing." Heard Trev Albert speak, whatever. Mickey is the interim. Good stuff. So then, so like that was part of it. But then going on to that in 2022. Um, against Iowa. So I made the trip to Iowa City. Um, and I remember sitting or standing on the sideline next to a couple other media members. And we started getting wind pregame of Iowa that Matt Rule was going to be the head coach. And obviously there were tons of questions going in, whether it was going to be Mickey, whether it was going to be somebody else, whether whoever the case may be, Urban Meyer, whatever the case. And... I don't know if you guys saw also on my show. So Strick uh, was on my show. He knows Dion. So that day that I mean that 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 couple months stretch stretch of trying to find a coach was brutal mm-hmm. because yeah. every single report you had to either debunk it, you had to say yeah maybe it's credible, maybe it's authentic. The good old flight logs. Exactly. And then we had D or Strick Eric Strickland knows Dion. So right before we get on the air, and this is a sidebar. Right before we get on the air, he texts Dion and was like, hey, you coming to Nebraska? Thinking, all right, he'll respond in a couple hours, maybe a couple days, whatever. He responds two and a half minutes later within the commercial break, and he's like, no truth to it. And so later on, uh, right when we came back on the air, I was like, well, Strick just texted Dion. He's not coming to Nebraska. We can can squash that. And not thinking, all right, it it won't get any traction, won't get any legs. That next morning, I woke up to Twitter notifications from like the New York Post, the Washington Post, the Daily Mail, that they all had quote my had embedded my tweet in their articles saying that Dion was not coming to Nebraska, and I was like, okay, crap, like we have to be on our p's and q's, like yep. we we got to be attentive because there's actually people listening. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to Iowa, so we started getting word prior to the game, like, all right, Matt Rule is going to be the head coach. And at that moment, like you're thinking, okay, cover the game, like focus on the game. Nebraska wins. On my Twitter, I have it put pinned where now a good friend of mine, Bill Bush, is I'm right after the game, I'm down on the field. And I mean, this was like the final like 90 seconds of it. I go up to Bill Bush and I'm like, Bill, you guys won. Immediate thoughts. And he, he hits me with, like, the, the black shirts. That's effing black shirt defense. Yeah, I've whatever. seen that video on your Twitter. Yeah. Yep. And so so anyway, so he, he says that. He goes, celebrates with his team. I'm videoing other guys. I'm just hanging out on the field. And then, like, I sit there and I go, oh, crap. I don't know if any of these coaches know that Matt Rule is coach, is the next coach, or has been reported to be the next Nebraska head coach. And so with that um, – here we are, and uh, I, I guess so. That that would be number number two as highlights of the ticket. Sorry, I'm giving really long answers here. No, no that, that's perfect. Sounds great. And then you know, Bill Bush. I mean, he's a regular yeah. on the show now. So yeah. I mean, that's someone that I know you grew a close. Yeah, to yeah. Place. Bill Bill's a good dude. Um, it, it, he's he's the definition of a guy that would give the the shirt off off his back for for anybody. Um, small town Nebraska guy that that found his way. 
that found his way back to back to Nebraska, um, and and was able to coach the Huskers, and now uh, I I mean has decided uh, to to not necessarily coach right now, but if 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 anybody came calling and Bill decided to take a job. Um, they'd be getting a, a heck of a football coach because, and a heck of a guy. Bill's awesome. I, he's not technically on my show every morning, but I get to see him every morning. Um, and and now like Friday, uh, the day that this probably is going to come out, uh, I, I'll get to do a show with Bill from six to eight a.m. this morning on the ticket. So like, it's it's going to be it's going to be exciting. Like Bill. He, he's just a normal dude and that's like one of the coaches that I've grown the closest to that it's like dang like they don't know mm-hmm. like but but then I will also say like I admire Bill because he understands how this business works and like as somebody that's somewhat still fresh into this thing I didn't realize like coaches get it like coaches get it like when a new coach comes in they realize that hey I'm not one of their guys. I'm not one of their dudes, so they're not going to want me. And that's just part of the business. And they're all good with it, which I guess makes makes it okay for us. Yeah, those previous coaches that were brought in, I remember that whole restructuring deal of Scott Frost's thing was that we were bringing in special assistants and people that were supposed to just yeah. you know, give a check and see what everything was going on. And so, obviously, Bill Bush coming in, we knew he was a fantastic dude. And then, you know, getting promoted to yeah. the defensive coordinator, and he immediately showing an impact. So, I mean, yeah. it's, that's someone that will forever be like, that, that guy, you know, really did improve our team that yeah, last year. Yeah, and, and it's it's interesting because he, he'll he tell you, I mean, he'll sit down. Um, he's the definition of a guy that's like, he'll sit down. If he was walking through the hall, he'd be like, all right, let's just hang out. And let's let's tell talk about football. Um, he's the definition of a guy that will just sit down and and tell you stories about his past days at, at Utah at, at uh, with Urban Meyer at LSU with Ed O at LSU with Mickey with uh, whatever the case may be. Um, working with Jamar and Justin and working with that defense and the special teams and and his close relationship with Joe Burrow like it's it's incredible. Um, and so I, I've learned also. To just step back and let those dudes do their thing, mm-hmm. and so because um, in that in that space, like nobody wants to hear from me. No, <laughs> nobody wants to hear from me. Like when I'm when I'm doing when I'm broadcasting a high school football game with Jay Foreman every night or every Friday, like nobody's trying to hear me for the analysis. Like let me just so, let me just toss a ball up to Jay softly and let him hit it out of the park. Let me just tee him up for it. So awesome, yeah. So um, we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna hop into college football. Sweet. takes we're going to start our college football segment so i guess we could just start it off um key takeaways from this past weekend and it's Mm -hmm. kind of it wasn't as loaded as the past few weeks but i mean there's still some interesting um finishing scores yeah there was um i mean sitting with our our nebraska uh nebraska obviously the 31 14 victory against purdue uh looks a lot better thanks to the emmett 
Johnson 28-yard touchdown run. That was kind of a dagger uh, for Nebraska football. But, uh, I mean, the defense just continues to just do everything for Nebraska. Yeah, thank um, goodness for them. Yeah, I, I mean, it is. And, and I, I said something on my show today, actually, about uh, stop rate which is uh, forcing a punt, a turnover, or a turnover on downs. Uh, it goes into stop rate. Nebraska has forced one of those three in the month of October 87% of the time. Uh, so you're talking about 87% of the drives uh, that Nebraska is on defense, which is quite a few when you look at the national average just because Nebraska's offense is struggling, um, that Nebraska's defense continues to just put – Strong performance after strong performance after quality performance together, uh, so so much so that they go undefeated in October for the first time in 22 years. So uh, Nebraska, I mean, they they figured out a way to get it done, and here they are five and three. So that's all that matters. Which is something that Nebraska has been needing to do. Um, some other big games. Uh, Ohio State, Wisconsin was mm-hmm. close for a little while there until Ohio State's uh, defense stepped up, and then Washington, their defense isn't looking great, Mm-mm. and I think that's starting to at least shift my. Um, I've I've always been in support of Oregon, kind of like as one of the teams that I thought was going to have a, a pretty yeah. standout year. And now I'm thinking like if they play again, I, I think really Oregon is the better team between the two because mm. Oregon just keeps rolling past every opponent, especially Utah. Um, even though Utah doesn't necessarily have an offense, really, it, it's still good that Oregon was able to only uh, yeah. let up uh, two field goals. And then of course Kansas beating beating Oklahoma that was huge. Mm. Um, I didn't get to watch that game, but I know that I mean that was you know we were at that game, Dylan, so we didn't get to watch it unfortunately but that's huge I honestly didn't expect it I thought Kansas was gonna be very competitive this year yeah but to go ahead and beat Oklahoma I'm it's gonna be interesting the big 12 now is we don't know really where they stack up Texas really how good they are mm-hmm. you know meanwhile they killed uh, BYU but that Houston game was still yeah. a little worrying so I don't know really they stack well, up in the grand scheme of things well so. it's in, it's interesting because like so so two games there um what was the one you said before Kansas's um, it would have been Washington State. Wash- no, excuse me, the Oregon one. Oregon, Utah. Uh, yep. or, or excuse me, Utah obviously doesn't have Cam Rising, which is a big blow to Utah's mm-hmm. offense, like you said. But I would also say with Oregon, Bo Nix is legit. Like mm-hmm. throughout everything. And that's where we've seen the transfer portal be used for good. Like Oregon brought him in when he didn't have the best career at starting off at Auburn. Like if you look mm-hmm. at the statistics, he was completing around 55, 60% of his passes, which is not very good. Uh, he may have had one year in there where he was completing like 64%. But now if you look at his stats, he, he it's not that he struggled last year at Oregon, but compared to this year, he's definitely taken a step up in his final year. And so that's where we've seen the transfer portal where, hey, you, you still have two years to play. Now we're seeing Bo Nix really start to lead Oregon as that leader. Um, with Kansas, they're fascinating because they're doing it with a backup quarterback. Jalen Daniels uh, still still bothered by a uh, a back issue that he had been hurting or hurt at the during the offseason. Missed the first game of the year, came back for a short period of time. Jason Bean, their backup quarterback, was able to knock off number nine Oklahoma. So that was a really impressive performance. Yeah, um, I just lost my page. I was using. Um, so another one. I mean, Penn State struggling against Indiana. That one went all yeah. the way, like to the fourth quarter. That was. Um, I I don't know if Penn State is as good as people were saying. They have another. Ch- they got a couple more chances to stay in the Big Ten East division race. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, of course, they got Michigan next week. So, but they have to get through. Um, 
I mean, they play Maryland this week on the yeah. road, so they they need to improve. I think offensively, they they kind of had a slow start from what I mm-hmm. when I was watching the game for a little bit before we went to Memorial on Saturday, but. They need to get things rolling. And then another thing, Florida State's legit. Yeah, um, Jordan Travis is good. Yeah, they. Uh, we both had Florida State in the our preseason college football playoff predictions. Oh, right? there so, you go. Yeah. So I luckily, luckily they've been um, improving. I mean, that Boston College game really. really but it's been cool. a it's been a while since then. So like, it's kind of hard to go back and be like worried about that because yeah. it's been so long ago now that it's like it's kind of in the rear of your mirror so well it kind of feels like nebraska's performance against michigan right yeah. like that was although it was i mean it was a month ago it was september 30th if i if i remember correctly all the dates kind of run together in the fall but um that i mean yeah that's 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 the thing i i guess that's how we feel about nebraska and michigan is like that performance both offensively and defensively maybe more so defensively like we don't expect to see that Mm-hmm. Anymore, at least this season. Like if if Nebraska played an Ohio State or if Nebraska played a Penn State, like would Nebraska win? Probably not. Would they give up forty five points? Probably not. So I think I think you feel pretty good about uh, Nebraska's just competitiveness because that game was so long ago, and you mm-hmm. feel like they've made some pretty good strides since then. Yeah, yeah. And with that defense, I mean, that's kind of like that Michigan game was why it was so interesting is that like and more disappointing was just the defense kind of rolled over in the beginning of the game. Yeah. Even well, the, I think you had you had a really athletic play from Roman Wilson in the yeah, end zone where catch. he caught it like over the guy over the defensive back. I think it was Isaac Gifford. Um, he caught it basically like on the back of him. And I, I think when you look at the rest of the Big Ten, like the offenses are not great. Like even the Ohio State offense isn't. Uh, typical Ohio State offense like Marvin Harrison Jr. may may not be fully healthy. Um, I also don't think they have a quarterback that they've had, you know, in the last couple yeah, of years. That, yeah, that's definitely so. Hard. You look at those. Um, Michigan is is complete all over the field. Like mm-hmm. Michigan's just another dog. Um, and now I guess they're stealing signs too. Yeah, yeah maybe so that's the reason why we lost. There you go. By that much. There you go. Exactly. Whatever we can find a way to cope I guess well yeah cope and, and hopefully take away the take away the victory and take away the loss for uh, for each side so we're good with that yeah uh, just two more games to Arizona upsetting Oregon State Pac-12 after dark and then also North Carolina losing again to Georgia Tech uh that's uh, I was kind of high on North Carolina a little bit. I don't think they're yeah. gonna make it too far. Like they'd probably eventually lose to Florida State and the ACC championship. That was my original prediction, but now losing two straight, that's not good for them. Well, and then, and I, I think what what I will say about North Carolina, Drake May is legit. Mm-hmm. Drake May is legit. I, I honestly, um, NFL wise, like I'm taking Drake May probably over Caleb Williams. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially I don't want my team having to give him a stock there you in my go. ownership. Which, it's illegal, but, yeah, I'm still taking Drake May. Yeah. And then actually going off of that, I mean, USC in a close one against California, 50-49. to 49, yeah. uh, USC has no defense, and I don't know. Whenever It seems whenever Caleb Williams gets in the high-pressure situation in the big games, he yeah. just has not been able to excel. And it's like I don't understand why – he still gets kind of put up on a pedestal. I mean, he did win the Heisman last year. You can never take that away from yeah. him. But even last year, you know, losing to both Utah twice and then uh, and then Tulane, I, I don't know. It's just the 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 confidence he has is is pretty good. But it's like I think he needs to realize that like he needs to step up in those certain big situations because he has yet yeah. to prove himself and so forth. Well, I would say you have to remember what he did at Oklahoma. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he, he came in for Spencer Rattler, right? Who Spencer Rattler may have been one of the best high school quarterbacks to ever play. Um, and it's it's fascinating. Sidebar, fascinating with the high school quarterbacks because two of the best to ever play at the high school level, Tate Martell and Spencer Rattler, not very good in college. Tate Martell, especially Spencer Rattler, still a starter, but not like uh, selling by any means. Now, what's interesting is with. Um, Caleb Williams, you have to remember, he was brought in, or not brought in, he had to replace Spencer Rattler just a couple games after the Nebraska game in 2021, because Spencer Rattler, I was down in Norman, Spencer Rattler did not play a very good game that day. But anyway, then you had him come in, well then after that season, or during that season, before the bowl game, Lincoln Riley leaves. And Bob Stoops comes in, and Caleb Williams ended up coming back, I believe, in the Alamo Bowl is what Oklahoma played in um, with with the Sooners. And the Sooners won that game against potentially Oregon. Maybe you guys can look that up. I'd be curious uh, to see. But anyway, so I, I would say that Caleb Williams – He's he's a very talented guy. Now I think he Caleb Williams would look a lot lot better if USC had defense. But what you guys what, what I've learned also is that this is a big like this is my guy sport. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. my guy business. Um, yeah, and I'll be fascinated to see how long Lincoln Riley allows Alex Grinch to be around because he had poor defenses at Oklahoma. He has had poor defenses at USC. This is not a, a institution or a university issue or a program issue, talent issue. This is a coach issue because mm-hmm. it's following Alex Grinch wherever he goes. Yeah, and especially add that he's coming to the Big Ten. Yeah, so, I mean, like you got a completely different style of football that's going to be played, and it's that's one of the things I'm most interested in is like. Will college football look, you know, on paper you could just be like, all right, this is a college football game. But then you take like what I call like the disease of the Big Ten West play and Big Ten play of just, you know, that hard smash mouth football mm-hmm. and the low scoring. Um, normally when you see those cross games of a Big Ten team playing like someone uh, over there on the Pac-12, you know, the, the style of play isn't the same. But now that you're yeah. in the conference, I feel like that just changes. So like in the future, I, I'm just wondering, will what will those teams look like? I mean, they're going to have to adapt somehow, you know? Well, it, it, you kind of get the feeling of like Nebraska 2018, right? Yes. Like that's that's what you feel. Um, and not many people are saying that, but like that's what I'm viewing. Like Lincoln Riley's going to come in and probably imagine that he doesn't have to shift anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he's going to probably find out, as he's found out even against some of the more physical Pac-12 opponents, and so and Notre Dame for that matter. Yep. Um, so I think when you look at that. They're they're certainly going to have to change. I I in fact would be interested to see how. I think Washington and Oregon, because we've seen a change in Oregon's recruiting, Washington and Oregon would probably be set up better than USC and UCLA. Yeah, totally agree. I I totally agree with that. And Oregon, I, you know, as a Husker fan, you know, we've played them somewhat recently, so I feel like that's just something that like I can picture, you know, and then their style and the way they're built, you know, they at least have more solid defense. I don't know. That's just something that we're going to all have to keep an mm-hmm. eye out for because I, ju- I just think there's no avoiding it. You know, no. when I was younger, of course, when Scott Frost came and we said that we we're going to adjust them, yeah. no, we, we didn't. So yeah. it was great to hear, but yeah. then nothing happened. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, by the way, you were right. They played Oregon. They beat them. Really? 47 to 32. In, in, the, in the Alamo Bowl? Correct. <sighs> I remember, I remember that I was I remember the exact sports bar. Do you guys have that to where it's like yeah, you remember no. mm-hmm. where you were at certain events? Yeah. I 
specifically remember the McNeese State Amir yeah. Abdullah catch. Yeah, where were you? I was in my house, freaking okay. out, jumping up and down, screaming. So I remember that one, too. I was in a Bass Pro Shops in Kansas City because I was going to the Chargers-Chiefs game the very next day. Um, and I couldn't watch the game because that was before they had like the watch ESPN and stuff. Yep, all the apps. They had before that. And because it was 2013? Um, it was 2014. 2014, thank you. And uh, I couldn't watch it from Bass Pro Shops. So I had to follow along on like the ESPN Gamecast. Oh. And I'm just like refreshing it. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you see the, the big red line go into the end zone. And I'm like, holy crap, this just happened. Yeah, so. that would have been his hypothetical Heisman moment, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and and he was he was in the Heisman conversation, like firmly in it. They ended up going to into Michigan State that year, and Amir got shut down in that game. Yeah. Unfortunately, he got held like two carries for eight yards in that game, or not two carries. It was probably been like twelve carries for eight yards, but. Um, he got shut down that game because that was when Michigan State had the number one total defense, and they shut Amir Abdullah down, and that was it for his Heisman. Yeah, hopeful. So sad. And then the other one was, of course, 2013 Northwestern Hail Mary. Yeah, that was a big one. Um, yeah, that was that was a big one. I just was in my 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 living room. Yeah, um, I was but, in my living room as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was in the car during that because I remember on the radio hearing it and just not even understanding what was going yeah, on. Yeah, shout out to uh, Ron Kellogg the third and, and Jordan Westerkamp there because, yeah. mm-hmm. man, th- that, those Northwestern teams were so annoying for Nebraska. Because well, they, you, they, they still have been. They still have been, but like you even had like a Kane Coulter and it was like Trevor Simeon mm-hmm. throughout a while and Dan Vitale and... Justin Jackson and like you had all these Clayton Thorsons like those quarterbacks that we don't even think about anymore were just a thorn in Nebraska's side time and time again yeah that's why I can never uh, sort of completely hate on Northwestern just because I feel like that's one of the teams that we always it just goes back and forth with so it was funny my my best friend growing up uh, was a huge Northwestern fan, and his favorite player growing up was Kane Coulter. And so I always hated going against Kane Coulter because I never heard the end of it. But that guy was so good with his legs. Not the greatest passer, but he was so good with his legs because he was one of those guys that Northwestern would bring him in, and you would say, all right, they're running it with Kane Coulter. Like, we know it's happening, and you couldn't stop it. They yeah. were so good. So good. And they had a good offensive line back then, like they have gotten a couple draft picks as well, too. So, yeah. uh, so I guess it's a good uh, segue into the just our more Husker-centric segment yeah. here. So <clears throat> you kind of talked about it earlier, but how this defense has performed, kept us in, ga- kept us in games. Tony White is working a miracle, yeah. uh, keeping us in those games. I, I was super surprised. I seen this tweet when, I don't know, it was earlier, um, from Ben Stevens. It says, during October, Nebraska's defense forced three interceptions, two fumbles, seven turnovers on downs, and 13 three and outs. Those rapid possession changes, 25 or more than the total offensive points we have allowed in October. Yeah, it's incredible what Tony White's been able to do. Um, and this is no disrespect to like last year's staff, to Eric Shenander, to Bill. Um, what he's been able to do with a lot of the same guys, but also what he's been able to do with young guys mm-hmm. is really impressive. Um, he's been able to come in and basically get them to buy into what he's teaching and this new philosophy, right? That everybody was so skeptical about going into the season with a three three five, whatever that case may be. 
at the end of the day here through eight games, you have Prince Will Uman Mielin stepping up. You have Elijah Judy stepping up. You have Riley Van Poppel, Cameron Lenhart. You have, I mean, Phelan Sanford even, who's more of an experienced guy, but still not a starter. People are forgetting that Marquise Buford is a part of the secondary. Yeah. People are forgetting that he's been injured for a little over a year, and they have to figure out a way to use his red shirt. Deshaun Singleton came storming onto the scene. Omar Brown looks like the F- FCS freshman of the year type of recruit that we got back a couple years ago, or Nebraska got a couple years ago now, uh, kind of coming to fruition. Like He's getting the best out of his unit every single time. And by the way, of all those players I just mentioned, None of them are the the, the experienced linebackers. Mm-hmm. None of them are the experienced interior defense alignment. Are there things to grow on and things to improve on? Certainly, they they need to they need to generate a little more pass rush. Um, we've seen it the last couple of games with Ty Robinson. Uh, he, Ty Robinson needs to start looking like the Ty Robinson that we expected when he when he decided to come to Nebraska mm-hmm. out of his high school in Arizona. Nash Hutmacher has grown a lot, but. Nebraska as a whole is a lot more of an enjoyable product and they find themselves in a lot more games than they probably should be competitive in Mm -hmm. when their defense plays well. And so uh, that's why I keep saying that like whoever Nebraska plays, whether it's Michigan State this week, whether it's Maryland the following, whether it's Wisconsin or Iowa and, and God willing, if they're in the Big Ten title or in a bowl game, Whoever they play, you feel like Nebraska has a pretty good chance because you know the score is going to be tight. Now, Nebraska just needs their offense to hold on to the football. Yeah, I, I honestly, I wasn't really complaining too much on Saturday with our offense. There's some small things, but obviously moving up to the press box worked out for Satterfields because yeah. I feel like we were able to do a little bit more than we were used to. Being yeah, able to see a, the whole a, field, There was maybe. a good variety in a lot of those drives that I had not seen uh, before. I would, I would also say it's interesting because I'm – I think we're still learning about Satterfield. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if this staff fully knows what they want to do on offense yet. Yeah. I think Nebraska also is so banged up at on the offensive side of the ball, and that's part of the game, yes, but you don't plan for 11 injuries or 11 guys that are no longer able to play that you initially thought were going to. Um, you don't plan for that, and you can't plan for that necessarily until you're in the moment. So I think they're still trying to figure out how they need to run their offense. Like Heinrich Harburg, he struggles at changing directions as quick as he probably should. That doesn't mean that he's not an exceptional athlete. There's two different things. The ability to change direction and your athleticism are different. Um, He's an incredible athlete, got great size, has shown the ability to throw the ball accurately and on time, has also showed the other side of the coin. He also struggles, at, and Matt Rule said it earlier this week at his presser, maybe it's indecisiveness. Maybe it's just not knowing necessarily what he wants to do with it. Whatever the case may be, there's got to be a way to utilize Heinrich Harburg, but then also the traditional running backs. Like Nebraska needs to figure out a way to to continue using Emmett Johnson in the in the work workhorse type of load and role that he's been in. Yeah, with that, you know, another thing that I feel like it, it just – 
with all those injuries, you know, you kind of just have to kind of change your style. Like, you know, one game, it feels like Thomas Veroni's a high, high product and yeah. high usage, and then the next game, you know, we kind of shift away from it. And it's it's something that we've tried so much, and Matt Rule said in his press conference that we've kind of left a lot out in these games that have yeah. not been able to necessarily be successful. And it's like we have a good wide range of things we can do. The problem is that it's that when we do something that we think will work ends up not working, and then when we do something that doesn't normally work works it's kind of hard to just keep an understanding of like oh this is going to work yeah. in that i think i would i would be cautious about saying we can do what you know nebraska can do a multitude of things um the only reason i say that they they don't have a guy even when fully healthy um going into the season with the understanding of xavier betts not being a part of the program um they don't have a guy that can take the top off of a defense. Uh, Malachi Coleman is that guy. He he could be. He's just young. He's just mm-hmm. fresh. Um, and you don't want to put that on him, right? Like, you can't ask Malachi Coleman to go out there and be Trey Palmer the same way you can't ask Heiner Carberg to go out there and be Jeff Sims or Jeff Sims to go out there and be Adrian Martinez or whoever the case may be. It's just unfair to them because they're not going to be able to do it successfully or up to what your imaginary standard is, right? Mm -hmm. So I would be cautious because, number one, Nebraska, and this is going to sound like a negative answer, like Nebraska doesn't have a guy that can take the top off. Nebraska doesn't have a guy that can win a foot race, except now it's different when you have Jalen Lloyd when you have Jaden Doss and when you have Malachi Coleman, because those three guys change things. Prior to them playing a significant amount, Nebraska didn't have that guy. Billy Kemp would be a very, very good wide receiver, too. Not sure if he's a wide receiver, one, especially in the Big Ten, especially when Nebraska doesn't use their slot guys a whole lot. But now he's banged up, unfortunately. That doesn't mean that there's not a role for Billy Kemp. Like, I want to make that very clear. That's not me trying to disrespect Billy Kemp and be like, you should not even be on Nebraska. That's not the case one bit. There's just things that you you can't ask Billy Kemp to be this vertical threat, or you can't ask Billy Kemp to be this big physical receiver when he's not that. Mm-hmm. And so you need to figure out ways to use what you have. And I think this staff, with injuries galore, they have to adjust so often because mm-hmm. they keep losing guys on the offensive side. Yeah, I think one of the unfortunate things early on was uh, Marcus Washington. You know, he'd be open mm-hmm. a lot, and we just wouldn't be able to get it to him. And again, you know, I I don't always just want to pick on Heinrich Harburg because I mean he is a quarterback, you know, and you just have so much responsibility yeah. back there. But a lot of it was just you know the prog- not reading through the progressions yeah. and just understanding what would be the more successful move. And you know, I I feel like lately it's I guess we can uh, touch on this. Uh, I've I feel like lately, you know, there wasn't really many mistakes from Harburg. And then they kind of slowly crept back, slowly crept back. And then we saw, you know, just a, a few mistakes. And then obviously he had to come out for that one thing. And Jeff Sims come in there. And you know, I think a funny thing was that us in the student section, both the East and the South side, we started chanting a Jeff, 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 which I was actually surprised because, you know, I was worried that like if he would see the field mm. again in, in the home home stadium that it would, I don't know, I just, I just felt like there was a lot of bad ill towards him. But he comes in there, immediately proves why, oh, why he shouldn't be playing. And then, you know, go back to Harburg, and he kind of, you know, was able to have a successful end of the game. So, Yeah. I think when you look at Heinrich Harburg, um, is, is Nebraska winning games because of Heinrich Harburg or with Heinrich Harburg? And I think it's the latter. Right? Yeah, I totally and, agree and, with that. And, and that's, not a, that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing to have. You need a guy that 
has a high football IQ and also the, a, a guy that can go out and make a play or make a throw if you need to, and that's Heinrich Harburg. Like he, he can figure out ways to help you win, right? And he's going to do just enough to put you in that position to where you're going to be in a, in, a, in a position to win. Now, looking forward, I think when compared to Jeff Sims, Husker fans sometimes look through rose-colored glasses to where it's, oh, Heinrich Harburg's this, this answer. Mm-hmm. He's the answer, right? You don't just because of bat, poor play at the top doesn't mean you move the goal po- goalposts for what poor or what great play or acceptable play is moving forward. Is Heinrich Harburg helping Nebraska win? Certainly. Should he be the starting quarterback? Absolutely. Does that mean that he's the full time permanent answer? I don't think it does. No, I totally agree. And, and you know, Dylan, you've said it numerous times just that we don't really have the quarterback on our team for starting next year so like i i've said this multiple times i just feel like we don't have a prototypical qb1 on our roster i thought it was sims going in the year i'm like well he's looking good in practice as far as i know yeah i don't go to practice as media but like he was i mean from what i was hearing hearing watching the arnox thing i mean he was looking from what i've seen he was looking good oh he's qb1 then a bad performance at minnesota I don't even want to go into Colorado. It's yeah. just like you had the one run, but gets injured, and then we get Heinrich Harburg, and then saves the day. But like at the same time, like I just how I look at it is we don't have a QB one. Yeah, it's 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 important to remember, and this is what I told people at the start of Heinrich Harburg um, becoming the starter at Nebraska. Gosh dang it! No. That's right. Okay, so that's what I told people at the start. Sorry, guys. Um, oh, you're good. That's what I told people at like the start of Nebraska or the Heinrich Harburg experience was like, rem- don't forget how you viewed Heinrich Harburg before this, mm-hmm. because that was an important. Par- uh, gosh dang it! That was an important piece. With uh, there we go. So that was an important piece because Nebraska fans viewed Heinrich as this guy that should have never been at Nebraska. Nebraska fans viewed Heinrich Harburg as this guy that was never going to see the field and never should see the field, at least as a quarterback. So we can't come out here as Nebraska fans after one win or after two or after three and completely switch our mentality of like, oh, Heinrich Harburg's this answer. Mm-hmm. Because there there were understandable reasons why there was doubt. There was, there was doubt and probably for good reason. Going forward, I'm with you. I don't think Nebraska has had a true QB1 in a while. I don't think they've also had a true quarterback competition in a while. I think you look at the situations the last couple of years, Scott Frost was never going to waver from Adrian. He did for that one game. Um, Luke McCaffrey played okay, and then Luke, Luke had a bad first half, and Adrian came in and almost won the game at Northwestern. But you look back... Like Nebraska's never had a true quarterback competition, and yeah. for whatever you whatever you want to talk about, like this spring, Nebraska didn't have a true quarterback competition. Matt Rule comes in, they bring in Jeff Sims, that's their guy. They either have Casey Thompson and the rest of the crew transfer out, or those those guys choose to transfer out, and that's fine. But. When Casey left, when Logan Smothers left, when, I mean, even like the Richard Torreses of the class left, that told all of us that, all right, they have their guy, mm-hmm. and that guy is Jeff Sims. So even at the start, 
maybe they didn't see Heinrich Harburg as a quarterback, at least as a capable QB1. I was going to say. So it's I've, really interesting to kind of follow that. Was it in the Minnesota game he came in at running back? Tight think, end. Tight, tight end. end. He, okay. he caught a pass at tight end. I couldn't remember if it was tight end yeah. or running back. So, like, obviously, but yeah, like you were saying. Um, I got a good, like, good segue into it. Just talking about this Michigan State game this weekend. Yep. They're coming in 2-6, and six, another loss. Tough one to Mich- Minnesota on the road, not being able to s- – I mean, they scored a touchdown, but, I mean, yeah. it can't really do much. But they've been through a lot this year, and mm-hmm. I think it will be a challenge for Nebraska, in my opinion. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know. Challenge I, I, for Nebraska. Yeah, on the road, it's yep. – <laughs> Yes, they're two and six, but it's still not an easy place to play. We've mm-hmm. been there in the past. I mean, we were winning in twenty one. We blew it. We've gone there and lost before too. So, but we've also gone in there and won. So, yeah, I would say this. I, I think right off the bat here, I'll say this. I'm predicting Nebraska to win. I think Nebraska wins a a twenty one twenty four to thirteen twenty four to nine type of game, um, strictly because of their defense, like. There, it just doesn't feel like any mediocre offense is going to be able to do anything against mm-hmm. this defense. Yeah. And Michigan's is less than mediocre. They have questions at quarterback. Uh, we don't know who at this point of the recording. We don't know who's starting on Saturday. Um, we we have no no clue. They lost what would have probably been their starting running back in Jalen Berger. Uh, early on in the season due to a season-ending in, uh, injury, so he's not playing. They, in terms of like rushing yards per game, which Nebraska is a top six school, I believe they're sixth in rushing yards allowed per game defensively. Uh, they're allowing 79 yards per game on the ground. Michigan State is 115th in the country in rushing yards on offense per game. Um, so that, that plays really well into Nebraska's hands. I, I think when you look also at Nebraska's offense, it's going to be the same formula like defense at some point is going to just be like hey offense we need you to score 14 and you'll be fine score 14 score 17 and you'll be fine that I feel like is probably going to be the case this weekend where it's like the defense is going to be able to say hey take care of the ball which is a rarity right now Um, take care of the ball limit the flags and somehow try to sustain drives and you do that through the traditional run game with a running back like an Emmett Johnson or Anthony Grant. And once you do that, then you are able to give your defense enough break. And then also they're able to go out and perform even at a higher level for you. If Nebraska, The way Nebraska gets in trouble here is time and time again turning it over on their side of the 50 to where Michigan State only has a short field to travel. Nebraska, we, we talked about it today. Nebraska has done an unbelievable job at holding either to field goals or not allowing drives to end in touchdowns when they get the ball on their side of the 50. Multiple times, Nebraska's defense has gone out there, whether it was Northwestern, whether it was Purdue, whether it was Michigan even, to where they said, all right, how do we win this defensive drive when the drive starts on the Nebraska 34-yard line or the Nebraska 30-yard line? How do we win this drive? Well, it's only allowing three points, honestly. Um, Understandably so, the ultimate goal is to not allow any points, but force a field goal attempt. They've done that. So the way Nebraska loses this game, in my eyes, is they're going to be able to run it. They're going to be able to, whether that's with the quarterback or whether that's with the the running back, they're going to be able to run it. Maybe we see some guys like a a Jaden Doss or a Jalen Lloyd or a Malachi Coleman get involved in the the vertical threat again like we've seen the last couple of times because we know Marcus Satterfield wants to throw it. 
But I also think Nebraska wins strictly because that defense is just is just so dominant right now, so dominant. Yeah, um, that turnovers like uh, kind of like what we've been able to do with uh, Northwestern Purdue is just make sure they don't score when yeah. when they should. And I'm a little worried that while we have that luck for now, you know, I just feel like some of the little things like that could easily go the other way where those are field goals and they'll keep stacking up stacking up kind of like you know the Minnesota Iowa game like Iowa yeah. you know they scored a touchdown but Minnesota kept kicking field goals kept kicking field goals kept kicking field goals and next thing you know they're in the lead well and that's the thing is you, that's where you just need your offense like mm-hmm. if if your offense can't excuse me offense can't go out against a really poor defense and put up two touchdowns like do you as a group deserve to be in that game. Um, I think also you look at it this way, guys. Like, the offense probably is tired of hearing about how they're the lesser of the two groups. Yeah. Like, and if they're not, then maybe they need to be benched and somebody else needs to be going in. Because this is now starting to become a thing of pride, I think, to where there's so much positive talk around the defense. And there's just, like, so-so talk around the offense. Like, yeah, are they getting the job done? Yes, they are. But they understand that they're the lesser of the two groups. They shouldn't want to do that anymore. They shouldn't want to be that conversation anymore. Um, so at some point, like this pride thing has to take over to where, all right, Nebraska offense, you got to pick it up. And maybe it's this week against Michigan State. Because how great of a feeling would it be if Nebraska goes out, scores 40, no, okay, not 40, <laughs> goes out and scores 30, 35 points, and it looks really good with few turnovers, if any, cleaned up the penalties, cleaned up the procedure issues. And you go out and you win 35-3 or 35-10. Or your defense is able, I mean, honestly, defense is able to allow 17 in this game. Mm-hmm. Like, Nebraska's defense can't allow more than three touchdowns. Yeah. And that's asking a lot. That's asking a lot of your defense. Yeah, no, that's exactly that's exactly right. Because, I mean, I think our offense, we, we can do it. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, we always get bit at the, it feels like the worst possible time those turnovers happen and just. Well, it's, that, that comes down to decision making, right? Like you look at some of those big turnovers, Jeff Sims going back to that, um, that Matt Rule talked about this week, like needs to learn when to just go down and Heinrich mm-hmm. Harburg needs to do that too. Um, but like Jeff Sims in the end zone against Minnesota, Borkature was wide open and he chose to go to Billy Kemp. Heinrich Carberg against Northwestern on the first play of the game had Heiner, or had Nate Borkacher wide open down the far sideline, went to Thomas Fedoni and tried to force it. Like it's it's all decision making that you hope with time and experience gets alleviated. Yeah, um, so we can just go right in score predictions. So yeah. I'll let you go first, Nick. I think Nebraska wins this one twenty four to nine. I, I think Nebraska's defense um is not going to give anything to Michigan State's offense. I think uh, even if their starting quarterback Noah Kim's be you know starts the game, he's still a guy that's thrown six touchdowns and six picks this year. Like there's a way that Nebraska can force some pressure from the guys on the outside and off the edge to where Noah Kim or whoever's back there um, struggles, feels a little pressured, and uh, they don't have a Keon Coleman who's at currently at Florida State. They don't have that guy mm-hmm. um, on their team this year, and they don't have anybody to balance it out in the running game. So I, I think Michigan State's offense is going to struggle. Michigan State goes to 0-6 in the conference and 2-6 and overall. Nebraska gets their sixth win in the first week of November. And then hallelujah, we're going bowl game. <laughs> Yeah, I know. We're going to a bowl game. Uh, I hope it's Arizona. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Any, anywhere but New York. Anywhere but the pinstripe. stripe. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's yeah. all I ask. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little worried. I was kind of like, last week I said for the Purdue, I just felt like Purdue was getting the win streak has been Nebraska's mm-hmm. one of their hardest issues that they have not been able to win three games in a row. Yeah. And when you get that confidence, you get the momentum, that kind of cures a lot of those things of yeah. just being able to, you know, go out there and do what's expected of you. But, but I was just worried that that getting to that third win was going to be the biggest issue and we got over that i'm thinking we win i'm thinking um 23 to 10 so similar to yours i i i feel like we will will sputter when we in the red zone and you know just have to force and kick field goals and um uh, we have the confidence back in tristan alvano you know kicking that 55 yarder i think the he will be able to get it done for us but i think our defense will be good i'm Still, as much as I love what our defense is doing right now, I'm just worried that, you know, the Louisiana Tech game and Michigan game, you know, those are a while at this point, while ago at this point, but they still had a few issues in those games where they just did not match the intensity. I think it'll be there. I think it'll be there, but I'm just worried that we that product might show up, but I think Nebraska will win. I think even if it does show up, like Nebraska's not facing a good enough offense to put up 45 on mm-hmm. them. So even if it does, it's going to be a smaller sample size or smaller version of like the Michigan game. I also think like this isn't luck what they're doing. Um, this is now consistent progress and consistent performances, uh, which is something that you talk about exercising demons and, and getting, you know, moving on from past years. Like that's what they're doing. Um, they haven't been able to put consistent efforts in or on the field in the last couple of years. Well, now they are, and they're doing mm-hmm. that on the defensive side. So it's like, this is now for me less about luck and more about just like, this is who they are. Yeah. And so, which is why it's going to be ultra important at the end of the year to keep Tony White. Yeah, extend them yeah. like immediately. Yeah. Uh, I think this game, Nebraska will win this game. I I'm not very high, like you said. Michigan State's offense just doesn't have the the dogs. Like they don't have like Keon Coleman anymore, who's going off at Florida State, like yeah. you said, and not having a consistent run game. And who knows who's playing at quarterback? There's a lot of questions with that. It is a little difficult. I'd say I don't going on the road. We haven't. It's just one of those games. Like I have I have a little scary feelings because it's one of those games like in the past we would drop Mm -hmm. but I'll give the benefit of the doubt to Nebraska I think they get things done defense shuts down Michigan State's offense and I think we win the game I'm feeling about a 23 to 6 type of score so I, I just also think I mean you have to remember the position that Michigan State's program is in like, it, it is so unstable up there right now. So I, I'm pretty confident Nebraska is able to get it done. Maybe I'll look like a fool on Monday, though. Yeah, who knows? Hopefully uh, yeah. not. So, yeah, 23 to 6 is my final score. Get things done. Force two field goals. That's all. There so, you go. We'd be happy. Yeah. So that was our culmination of a college football segment. And we're going to take a quick break and we'll hop into our college football pick em. Sweet. Pick them to close it out here. So we're going to go over our standings from last week. Uh, so I'm still in first place. It kind of starting to 
get away from Blake. He was coming back after a couple weeks of bad picks from me, but now I'm currently sitting in first, like still in first place, 66 and 28. Blake, you're 60 and 34. So, uh, that's not bad. So, so we're doing pretty good yeah, this that's year. Not bad at all. And then guest standing. So we keep track of our guest standing or okay. guest picks. So uh, we'll highlight their the best records every week. We kind of just go through them all. So uh, first place tied for first, Jake and Anthony nine and one. Number t- uh, second place, there's a tie with between Justice Rohde and Alex Fernando at eight and two. Uh, third, Logan Eby and Zach Cutler are tied at seven and three. And then Trevor and Charlie, Charlie last week, they went six and four. So Oof. just aim. So I just got to get better than six and four. Yeah, but aim for that 10 and 0 because we haven't had that yet. So okay. yeah, it's, it, it's not an easy week this, this week yeah, as well. So I'm, I'm actually worried. Looking through these picks, I'm, it's a, I'm a little It's terrified. a tough week. So. Yeah. Starting off, number one, newly number one, Ohio State is going on the road to take on a red hot, I say red hot, six and two Rutgers. So you can go first, Nick. I'm going to go Ohio State. I think I think they are. I, what, do I think they're the number one team in the country? No, but they've played a tougher schedule than both Georgia and Michigan. So I understand why the committee took them number one. Uh, so I'm going to go Ohio State, though, big time. I respect the decision to put Ohio State uh, number one because I feel like the strength of schedule and just playing those teams matters a lot. Um, Rutgers, I don't know if they're going to have enough of an offense to really compete at all, especially with what Wisconsin and even Penn State put up against them. Maryland has a way better offense than Rutgers and only got 17. Ohio State's going to shut them down, so I got Ohio State. Yeah, Ohio State wins this one. Uh, Look out. Maybe Rutgers maybe keeps it close for the first half like it normally happens with Ohio State, kind of like the Maryland game, but I think Ohio State runs away at the end covering that 18.5 point spread. Yeah. All right, moving on. Number 23, Kansas State is going on the road into Austin to take on the number seven Texas Longhorns. Give me the Longhorns. Uh, I don't have a I don't have a problem with Texas. I actually like uh, their backup quarterback Malik Murphy a lot. Uh, really good size for him as well. Potentially a transfer portal guy uh, at the end of the season. So <laughs> uh, kinda, go ahead. It's kind of funny how you've been talking about it. It's because me and my friend Justice have been talking like we want him to transfer here if hey, we need a quarterback next year. Hey, I love I like Malik Murphy a lot. I don't know if it's Malik. I think it, I think he pronounces his name differently, but it's spelled M A A L I K. But yeah, he's a he's a big bodied guy that can that can do a lot of things really well. So I'm gonna give me the Longhorns. Uh, I I got text on this one. Kansas State, they're they worried me in a few of their games. I mean, they still only have two losses. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it, you can't totally shut them out of things. Um, but it did. I think it's going to be a, a close one. Um, but give me the Longhorns for that one. Just you know that Houston game. You know with Texas is just a little scary. Um, but then you know K State <clears throat> on their side. I mean, they've shut down their past two opponents. So I mean, Houston no points, and then yeah. uh, TCU three points. But uh, I think Texas overall just has. Uh, a more complete team than K-State does. Yeah, I got Texas, too. It's going to be tough for Kansas State going into DKR. So I think Texas should win this one. Malik Murphy's good. Xavier Worthy is a dog. Yeah. I I just don't think Kansas State has enough. Can they pull off the upset? I personally think they can. Mm. But 
it's going to be tough, like I said, going hey, in there. Here's the thing. If it was in the Little Apple, if it was mm-hmm. in Manhattan, I would say potentially different. Um, I was actually at the the game between Oklahoma and Kansas State when Jalen Hurts and CeeDee Lamb went into Manhattan and lost to Skylar Thompson and Deuce Vaughn and them. Uh, so, the, hey, that that little that's a fun place to watch a game if you guys haven't been there. Highly recommend going down to Manhattan. That's that's a fun place to go watch a game. Uh, but, no, I, I, since it's on the road – Texas's defense is legit. Um, I, I like Texas a lot. Yeah, and I, and having, I mean, Avery Johnson's been starting for yep. them lately. It's going to be tough for a freshman quarterback like that to go into a hostile environment. So I think Texas gets things done. So moving on to our next game. Number 15, Notre Dame is going on the road to a Clemson team that's been very struggling yep. this year. I mean, Nebraska has a better record than them. I always I, have to point that out. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I picked Notre Dame to be in the college football playoff at the beginning of this year. I am probably the biggest Marcus Freeman fan you're ever going to find. Give me the the Fighting Irish, even though I don't feel great about it. But give me the Irish just because I'm a huge Marcus Freeman fan. I can never pick against him. Yeah, you know, Notre Dame in the past, I have not really liked them because I always feel like they're ranked so high at the beginning of the year, and it's just kind of annoying just to see Omi's inserted in the rankings. But this year, I'm actually, I'm like, you know what? I actually, you know, like Marcus Freeman, I like what the Sam Hartman and what they got. I say uh, they have a quarterback. Yeah. Like, they have yeah. a quarterback for the first time. It's not Ian Book. Like, yeah. it's not Alec, it's not um, the other guy that was the transfer from Wisconsin there. Um, Hornybrook went down to Jack Cohn. Yeah. It's not Jack Cohn. Um it's it's a true quarterback and a really good running back in Audric Estime. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. It's something that you can root for. Um, I got the Irish in this game. Clemson, they got to figure some things out. Yeah. Um, you know, they were close with NC State, but NC State, you know, they've fallen off from being kind of like they're you know in, in the lower rankings. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, I you know back to back losses potentially three in a row. That would be. Crazy, and especially off the controver- controversy with uh, Dabo Sweeney talking yeah. to the on the on the phone to that uh, uh, one person that called in. So, yeah, definitely going to be an interesting matchup. I, I, I don't know. I feel like Notre Dame has things covered right now, and they yeah they get a win over Clemson. Yeah, I do think it's kind of tough because you all you guys took Notre Dame, and part of me is like, do I pick Clemson? I'm not going to. I just think just Notre Dame just is. I think they're just better, just all around. I mean, Audrey Estime is a force to be reckoned with. I mean, yeah. he's nuts. And Notre Dame's been on a tear since their loss to Louisville, yeah. blowing out USC and just dismantling Pitt last week. So, uh, yeah, I got Notre Dame in this one. I think they get things done. Uh, moving on, a little interesting, I guess. I don't know. Uh, number 12, Missouri, is going on the road in to take on the Bulldogs in Georgia. I so badly want to pick the Tigers. The Tigers are good, guys. Um, They're very good. Elijah Drinkwitz, from a recruiting standpoint, is doing an exceptional job. He just missed out on Ryan Wingo a couple weeks ago, but he ended up going to Texas. But they also have that Williams-Nowerny kid uh, committed, too. So when you look at Missouri, Elijah Drinkwitz, that would have been the first time, by the way, Missouri has two one more than just one five-star in their recruiting class in their program history and Elijah Drinkwitz might have been that guy however it's I can't go against Georgia I hope I'm wrong I hope I end up going nine and one because I get this game wrong I think Georgia wins against Missouri even though I would love to see the Tigers knock off the Bulldogs this is one where I I feel like for the pick'em side of things I can't afford to have another uh 
one because I think I picked South Carolina when they uh, versed them, uh, Georgia. Yeah. And I really, I that was more of a pick where like I hope this happens yeah. more of just like I think it's going to happen. Yeah. But I got to go with Georgia. Missouri, their defense is, is a little sketchy, um, especially I think Georgia's offense will be good enough to put up uh, big numbers. Obviously, they don't have Brock Bowers, but they've been able to work work around it, you know, scoring 43 points. I mean, I think the Florida game in, you know, back-back Florida, Vanderbilt, and then, well, Vanderbilt was a close game, but the uh, Kentucky game just kind of shows yeah. that they can put points up on the board. Um, but, yeah, I, I got Georgia in this one, but I'm hoping that Missouri wins. I Yeah, I really want Missouri to win this game. I'm sick of seeing Georgia at the top. Mm-hmm. But they're good, and they've shown it this year. They did have a little struggle against Vanderbilt, but they came out of the bye week and blew out Florida. So, I mean, Missouri's good. I look to them maybe be even better in the years to come, but this th- this game's in Sanford Stadium and I can't I can't yeah. not if maybe if it was in Columbia, I'd maybe think about taking Missouri, but Georgia, I think they just take care of things and I agree. They shut down Missouri's offense. So, moving on uh, yeah, number nine, Oklahoma, and number 22, Oklahoma State. Final year, Bedlam as conference opponents, at least. I think it's going to be Oklahoma. I like uh, the Sooners, despite what they they did not win last week. Um, I, I like Brent Venables. I think Brent Venables is doing a lot of really good things down there, involving former players as well. Uh, I think I think Oklahoma is going to get this one done against Oklahoma State. I'm a little worried about uh, Oklahoma's defense. You know, the past three teams have uh, uh, scored more than a 28 points, so that is a little worrying, mm-hmm. um, especially now that Oklahoma State found a way to put up points on the board even when they got destroyed early in the year against South Alabama. Just an, I feel like, insane turnaround for them um, being completely out of the conversation to being a, oh my gosh, they only have two losses. Yeah. Um, but I got, the, I got the Sooners for this one. Um, that loss is going to you know show that they're not they're you know they're not just the world beaters out there they got to grind for these wins so yeah i got oklahoma should be an interesting game oklahoma state always makes it interesting so yeah since it is at boone pickens i'll take the upset All why right. not why not i, like I mean I, like I can i can afford a couple of missed ones so yeah. uh, <laughs> oh look at this guy strategic so yeah. uh, no i think i mean oklahoma state's done it before and it's the final year of this at least rivalry as a conference opponent and i feel like oklahoma state doesn't want have they're not going to want oklahoma to go out winning this uh the rivalry so i think oklahoma state's going to come come in and, pl- and they want to play win this game and they um take advantage of oklahoma's kind of like they kind of been iffy the past yeah. few weeks so i think that continues for oklahoma and uh give me oklahoma state continue their hot streak so Moving on, we can put these together, I guess, if you want to do uh, Big Ten West games. Uh, we don't have to, actually. Just do Illinois-Minnesota. Oh, um, The better team is Minnesota. At Minnesota? Yes. I, I'm going to take the Gophers. Uh, for Nebraska's sake, I hope Illinois wins, but I think I'm going to take the Gophers. Yeah, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go different with you. I feel like, you know, I've been... I've been not going to say I'm not. I didn't copy off of you, yeah. but I've been going off the same picks. But I'm going to go with the Illini here because it's I Minnesota. You know, getting that you know back back wins. You know, in the close one over Iowa, and for some reason, I just feel like that this one of those games that could potentially turn uh, against Minnesota. Um, but I feel like these are pretty comparable teams. Minnesota definitely probably the more rounded team, especially on defense wise. Yeah. Um, 
but I think Illinois will be able to put up some points. So I, I picked Illinois against Wisconsin a couple weeks ago, and Illinois was in the lead. They yes. allowed an 18-point fourth quarter from the Badgers. The Badgers don't have the greatest offense, um, and I was a little disappointed in Illinois, so I'm still a little sour about it. But I hope Illinois wins, but I'm picking Minnesota. Yeah, uh, it's at Huntington Bank. I'll just take Minnesota. There you go. <laughs> just nice take Minnesota. Sip. I mean, it's at home. Um, there's not going to be a lot of points, probably. Big Ten West. It's a disease, disease quoting from Blake. So, yep. yeah, I'll, I'll just take Minnesota. Hopefully, they do have OS State on the schedule. So, if Nebraska yeah. wants a Big Ten West uh, chance or title chances, well, they'll lose eventually. So, yeah. uh, moving on, Iowa Northwestern at Wrigley. Uh, you know what? Give me Northwestern. Give me give me the Wildcats, and here's why. Iowa's offense is putrid. Um, they even with Cade McNamara, it was it was disgusting. Now with Deacon Hill, it's putrid. Um, Northwestern and Brendan Sullivan had a really really good day. Brendan Sullivan had one of the best first quarters of his life uh, last week against Maryland. Give me the, give me the Cats uh, in my good old Chicago Cubs home field. I feel like that's a disgrace that you have Iowa football playing inside a Wrigley field. I agree. I mean, that's just disgusting. Who who scores more, the Chicago Cubs in Wrigley or Iowa football in Wrigley? We'll find out, I guess. I can already <laughs> tell the answer. It's the Cubs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Northwestern, you know, they pay, played really aggressive against us. They played very physical, and I'd like to see that again. I mean, they just got a big win over... Um, uh, Maryland, um, yeah, I got Northwestern too. I I think this is kind of where you start to realize that Iowa was never going to go on that one loss streak to the Big Ten championship. I don't know why people were just thinking that's going to happen. This is the least complete Iowa team, and even when Iowa was a complete and more yeah. rounded team, they still had those losses on the year. So I'm like, there's no way there's going to be those losses out there somewhere. And I feel like the Minnesota loss kind of exposed. You know, just obviously not that they're just going to go one loss, but just expose more things that you can win against them, especially even games where like Purdue, um, Wisconsin, or even uh, Michigan State, who potentially could have yeah. won that game at, at one point, um, just show that they are a beatable team. So I got Northwestern. I feel like Northwestern has something to fight for. I mean, they've they've been so... Like no one expected this. Everyone was picking off two and ten, one and maybe winless. I mean, I was one of those. I didn't say they're going to be that bad, but like, I didn't think they're going to be four wins sitting. You have a good chance of making a bowl game under a interim yeah. head coach and just lack of just. I, I don't know. I'm just not. I'm just super surprised. Commendable job by David Braun for the situation that he was put in, and then has now been able to uh, find some success out of it. Yeah, and. You get to play at Wrigley, which is weird. Um, at one point, it started off. I think the over under sitting at like the lowest ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it s- sticks that way, I don't know. Corny ESPN bet, I guess, is thirty and a half. So yeah. that's still pretty low. It, there's not going to be much offense, I I believe. But I, th- I'm gonna take Northwestern too. Why not? Okay. I I'm not, I just Deacon Hill is. Um, Garbage. Uh, he's not yeah. very good. Their offense can't do anything defensively. I mean, statistically, I don't know if it's still this way, but Nebraska statistically had better defense than them. I don't know. Athletes-wise, I think we can match up maybe, but it, I don't know. It's interesting because, before we go to the next game, it's interesting because we had the whole thing with Brian Ferentz happen this week um, that now Kirk Ferentz was not happy about how that had to be released this week. So it'll be interesting to see just kind of the re- 
repercussions of that mm-hmm. if there are any. Yeah, and I like Northwestern. They have something to play for, and now they put being five and four, you're in distance to a bowl game. You just another win. So, and they definitely have that on their schedule. So, moving yeah. on. Number 21, Kansas, is going on the road, a primetime matchup against Iowa State, who's kind of been red hot. Yeah, yeah. Iowa State actually projected to be in the uh, guaranteed rate bowl against Nebraska uh, in Phoenix, Arizona, coming up on December 26th. I'm going to take the Jayhawks uh, for no reason why. Big Lance Leipold fan. I got a couple buddies that are uh, best friends with Lance. Uh, Lance has come on the show. We're going to stick with Lance Leipold. I'm going to be different. I'm going to pick the Cyclones. Um, originally, I was, you know, on the Jayhawks train. You know, they're just a very competitive team. I knew that going into this season. And then, obviously, only two losses, six wins. But Iowa State, you know, they got under the radar. You know, they beat Oklahoma State, and their only loss was to OU. However, they did get destroyed 50-20. to 20. And I think that's partially because Iowa State's offense isn't the greatest. Iowa State's going to need an offense in this game, and I think they'll be able to find it. So give me the Cyclones. Yeah, um, Kansas going on the road, coming off a huge victory against a good Oklahoma team. There could be some... This is a trap game. I would, I would label it as a trap game, and... Iowa State's a tough place to play. It, it's it happened before. It's going to be rowdy, go, rowdy, Even yeah. Oklahoma State a couple years ago in 2011, they go in there and they lose. So, like, it's going to be a tough game. I, I'm going to take Iowa State, too. Uh, Caleb Gilchrist is probably very happy with me. Yeah, happy with Me us. and you. And uh, I, think, I think Iowa State, they're getting things rolling and... They've turned it around after that Ohio loss. Yeah. Especially. There you go. So. Chase, former Husker uh, kicker, Chase Contreras, the starting kicker at Iowa State, by the way. Oh. Former Iowa Western guy. Yeah. I didn't even know that. I didn't yeah. even know he's at Iowa State. Pick up those Iowa Western guys. <laughs> They're... Yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah. So moving on, second to last game. Primetime on ABC. Number five, Washington is going on the road. Take on number 20, USC. Oh, man. I'm going to take. I'm going to take Washington um, I, just because I like Michael Penix. I could see USC somehow winning this game. I, You know what? Give me the Trojans. Okay. Give me the Trojans. I don't like it, but give me the Trojans. Gosh. I can see it. That's that's exactly my thought process. I'm picking the Trojans too. Um, they're going to need that statement win of the year, and they're going to get at least one statement win to sort of show that they're not out of anything yet um and this would be a huge win and knocking off the the huskies from going undefeated um i think things will level out there for the the pac-12 because it's just interesting we still have some of the biggest pac-12 games yet yet left to be played so next week yeah so yeah usc has washington and then they have to go on the road to odds and take Oregon taking on yeah. Oregon. That's mm-hmm. rough stretch there. But they're going to get this win, and it'll kind of, you know, I wouldn't say they're treading water. I mean, they're seven and two, but for their standards and for where they should be, um, this will, you know, give them a big boost of confidence and be a huge win if they're able to beat uh, the Huskies. But I got the Trojans. I personally think whoever wins this game is going to have the ball last. It's okay. going to be one of those defenses that kind of been interesting yeah. to say the least. Uh, Washington's has been. Not the greatest. USC's has definitely not been the greatest. And I, it comes down to whoever has the ball last. I'm going to take Michael Penix and Washington. Part of it, you guys took USC, so I'll take Washington to be a little different. I think Washington could get things going. This is a statement win for sure for them going into the Coliseum and getting the win over Caleb Williams and USC. So There you go. Final game. 
This one was a fun game last year. Uh, hopefully it lives up to the same. Mm-hmm. Not quite. These teams are not quite as high-ranked as they were last year, but number 14 LSU goes into Bryant-Denny to take on number 8 Alabama. Uh, I'm going to take Alabama. Not If this game was in Baton Rouge, it would be so different um, because Baton Rouge at night, as I've heard from both Bill and, and Mickey, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Bama because it's in Bryant-Denny. I do like Jalen Milrow. They don't have the skill positions that normally they have. Uh, however, I really like Jaden Daniels at LSU. Um, give me, give me Bama. Give me Bama. That's a really good game. Yeah, it should be. Um, I'm just a little worried for LSU's defense. Um, you know, you have the games against uh, Missouri and uh, Ole Miss. Both one, one they won and one they lost. Where they just had no defense in that game. And I think Alabama's defense is good enough to uh, shut LSU down. It's not going to end up the same way as last year. Uh, I got the Crimson Tide just like you, Nick. So yeah. Do I take the upset? I'm really tempted. I like Jaden Daniels too. But it's part of me is just like it's Alabama at home, night game. I, I'll take Alabama too. I I wanted to take LSU, like you said, Nick. If this was yeah. in Baton Rouge, like it was last year, it's it's a whole nother environment. Mm-hmm. But I think Alabama gets another win and kind of at this point they set themselves apart from everybody else in the division. They're probably heading to Atlanta again for the SEC championship unless something miraculous happens. They lose next week, I guess, at Kentucky. I don't know, but uh, I think they get things done um, and survive. Mm-hmm. So that was our college football pick So we're going to close it out here. So shout out to Nick for coming on. Thank you. Appreciate you, boys. Anytime. Yeah, anytime. That was awesome. Yeah, uh, go listen. You can hear him on 93.7 The Ticket online or on the radio if you're from around here. Um, you have the 1 to 2, right? Yeah, so I'm 8 to 10 a.m. and then 1 to 2 in the afternoons as well. So... There you go. Follow yeah. me on Twitter, Nick underscore Sainer. Follow these boys on Twitter. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, especially Nick on Twitter. Post some fantastic tweets if I just yeah. say so much. Sometimes. Not not a lot. Not a lot. Sometimes. We, we were talking the other day. It's like some of the stuff, like there was something that came, you posted. It was like the... The Billy Kemp one. I like The, the Billy Kemp with Enrico. Yeah, son. with Rico. Yeah, Rico's kid looks just like Billy Kemp. And so he dressed up as him for Halloween. Yeah. That's, that's great. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, so shout out to our, our socials, Twitter, capital TLT, The Last Take 22, Instagram, all lowercase, The Last Take Pod. And uh, I don't really use it, but... Facebook too. We have a page, The Last Take. So yeah, um, signing off for Blake, Nick, and Dylan. Uh,